Ladies, at Essentia Health, you're not just a patient. You're a partner in your healthcare journey. We'll get to the heart of your health questions, even the ones you're embarrassed to ask. We'll find solutions to fit your unique needs and lifestyle, because here, we're in it together. Feel confident in your care and in yourself. Schedule a women's health appointment with an Essentia Health provider today. Click the banner to learn more. If you have bad credit, if you have good credit, it's all going to affect your confidence in life and what you can purchase, your purchasing power, how you move. You know, can you live here or can you live there? Hold your station, this education is relevant. The motivation through conversation is evident. We're talking spiritual body, mind, development. This is the manhood experiment. The manhood experiment. Hey, y'all, it is Big Dreams. And this is the Manhood Experiment. Welcome, welcome back, listeners. I'm here with my team, J-Dragon, T-Rex, and we are here today to talk about something very important. We're going to continue on this topic. They call me the money man, and today we're talking about money, man. This is the Financial Conversation Part 2. We are talking credit, baby. Credit. So what I want you to do before we get into this conversation and we really break this thing down, we created a workbook for you so you can follow along. If you got time and you're not on the road, go ahead and download that. It's right here in the links, right below the podcast. So go ahead and get that PDF. You can follow along, print it out, and really like go through the workbook with us. That way we can keep you engaged and you can really gauge what you know about credit and help you learn something new. It's a lot of information. We're going to unpack it all, and we're going to break it down right here in the Manhood Experiment. So before I do that, I want to check in with my boys, T-Rex, J-Dragon. How y'all doing, man? Hey, doing well. Getting used to fatherhood over here and living the dream. I got my little pug trying to bust down the door right now. <laughs> sound, <laughs> sound like a bear's outside my door. <laughs> yeah, man. I get it. I get it. We got the dog. We got baby girl. We just got the sonogram for our baby boy. Ooh, oh, he's definitely that. your boy. Yeah. Yes, sir. <laughs> My wife sent me a, a D pic the other yeah. day. I was like, you sending me what? I was like, oh, okay. It's a boy. I get it. I get yeah. it. <laughs> rejoice. Oh, I love it. Yes, that's sir. That's funny. Well, that's good, man. I see you managing time. You're still looking good. You don't look like you ain't lose no sleep. So that's, Try, that's man. awesome. It's- It's a new adjustment, you know. I think this is going to help me relate to people more than ever and just understanding time management and energy management more than ever. But having fun with it, it truly is a, you know, adjustment. Big shout out to all the moms out there because it's they they got their work cut out for them and, you know, doing all I can to play my role and and make their jobs easier, make my my baby mama's life as easy as possible. But (laughs) loving the process, just fortunate that we have a lot of cool people in our circle, whether it's just friends and family that have. That support system. It's it's huge. So, so key. And I got you guys here. Y'all my support system. You know what I mean? We talk it out. We go through life. We do life together. Me and T, when you're out in San Diego, we go get some wings. Speaking of that, you traveling, right, T? I am headed back to Las Vegas. I'm in San Diego right now. headed back to Las Vegas right after the show. So four and a half, five hours on the road. I like it, though. My boy is dedicated. I like it. I like road trips. <laughs> and I'm actually starting to miss Vegas because the weather is getting really good there Yeah, now. it's a good time. Yeah. It's the, it's I've been right seeing time. your stories, man. Yeah, he posting yeah. things about the like the environment, geography out there. Like, so mountainous. <laughs> I, 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 I make music videos. I make cin- cinematography. <laughs> yeah, that's my thing. It's not, it's not just regular videos. <laughs> nah, they be epic. Yeah. They need uh, something yeah. different, boy. Yeah. Man, but yo, I really appreciate you, T, for just putting in that dedication to be able to wake up every morning. You're getting up at 6.30 just to prepare so we can be prepared at 7 o'clock, ready to go, a.m. In different time zones, mind you. And then making that journey across back to Vegas and here, just, yo, appreciate you. Listeners, if you don't know how much work this man is putting in, just know we see it. You know what I mean? So we're going to big you up because we're going to support that. you. That's what the manhood experiment's about. Men supporting men, helping us get there. Thank you. No, no, of course, man. Deserve that. Let's bring it back to we are talking credit. 
let me give y'all a personal experience of mine. I don't know about y'all, but if you want to just kind of rate your credit experience, what do you know about credit right now? Let's have a little round table. Like, let's break down the myths. Just like we did last time, we talked about budgeting. Now we're talking credit. Jay, what are some myths that maybe your parents told you about credit or that you've heard about credit that maybe I can answer for you today? You know, my parents probably were not the best role models with their financial decisions. I felt like the time as my parents divorced, growing up with my mom, a lot of the time she was living paycheck to paycheck. And so I probably didn't learn the best money habits. There's probably more fear around money and very fortunate for an older brother of mine, my older brother, who's five years older. You know, I got to watch him use credit in a smart way, like leverage it in a way to be able to finance things and and saw it open up some doors. So I realized the power of it, but still had a lot to learn with how to manage it and how to use it properly. So I just don't think there was enough education and not enough understanding in general. But for me, I guess what I associated at an early age is you can use it in a way to leverage, you know, and move forward in the right way for purchases. And it's people have their different beliefs, what they want to put on credit and whatnot. But I definitely require some extra education. Well, that's what we hear. We're going to really break it down yeah. on this episode. What about you, T? What's some myths or some things when you first are introduced to credit? Yeah, so interesting story. Credit scores is really U.S.-based. And I grew up in Trinidad. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea what credits and credit scores are. And I remembered when I was 21 years old, I had a buddy of mine, he tried to purchase a car and he was getting a lot of problems. He was in the US and he was getting a lot of problems to get a car because something was affecting his credit score and it was a low number now. And so I was like, oh, wow, a number like that could affect someone's ability to buy or take a loan. So when I moved to the US, it was the thing that was on my back of my mind, make sure you don't have a lot of debt and make sure whatever you owe, make sure you have a payment plan to pay this off because it's going to affect you long term. So, yeah, that's it. Man, those are great, great tips. And sometimes my cousin told me this phrase the other day, speaking of borrowing, he said, man, you're either going to buy a lesson or you're going to borrow a lesson. And I was like, what do you mean by that? He was like, man, either you're going to take somebody else's experience, borrow their experience, learn from it, or else you're going to have to pay for it yourself. I was like, ooh. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, I ain't I like try- definitely not trying to pay for any lessons. I could just borrow. <laughs> it's like borrowing the tool from the Home Depot that your neighbor got. You're like, why'd I spend that much money on that? I'm not even going to use it but one time. Hey, one lesson learned. <laughs> Speaking of buying things, guys, I remember memory I do have as a kid, and I don't know how many people can relate to this, was layaway. You know, that was something mm. where my family didn't have a lot of money saved up. So, they layaway was something before credit was really more mainstream where let's say something at Sears or whatever, you needed to buy a new appliance. Mm-hmm. You would commit to putting down a little bit each. And this is the way the credit system probably really should be, to be honest with you guys. You'd have to pay it off before you got to pick it up. Whereas mm. now it's a instant gratification. You get it, you know, pay it off later. And then your interest tends to wear off. But that right. was something I do remember was putting things on layaway. Um, I don't know if anybody's familiar with that, but I'm sure some of our listeners can relate. I've heard of layaway. What I used to do was even broader. I used to window shop and mm-hmm. I couldn't buy it until I saved for it. <laughs> yeah. And that's kind of what <laughs> layaway is. You don't yeah. get it until you, you make payments. And there's times where people maybe default on those payments and then it's like you lost some of that. Mm-hmm. That's the motivation. It's kind of of a system to teach you to save properly. That's true. That's true. This is a perfect segue. So when you're thinking about credit and this whole credit system, like where did it come from? When did it start? Honestly, the layaway system used to be somewhat how people used to leverage credit before it was all introduced, like back in the 1960s, uh, when credit is really kind of unraveled and got out. And there weren't just uh, one bureau. There were like several different bureaus. And then later on, they got big, just like Sprint, AT&T, Verizon, if you could think of that. They were just in certain regions. But I'm going to break that down. We'll get back to that. So what have you financed lately? And listeners, this is back on the worksheet. So if you look, that's one of the questions. Number two, what have you financed lately? And then based on your experience, how do you feel about that? You can think about that. You don't have to write that. But write down, what did you finance? And did you feel like it was a good deal? You know, And why not? Because if you have bad credit, if you have good credit, 
it's all going to affect your confidence in life and what you can purchase, your purchasing power, how you move. You know, can you live here or can you live there? So what does credit affect? That's the main thing that we want to know. Why do we need it? What does it affect? And just to break that down, what do you guys, what are some things that you heard that credit can affect that aren't like more of the obvious things? I mean, everything from now, there's some jobs that want to know your credit score and your history yes, based on credibility, which makes sense. I mean, there's a lot of responsibility. If you're responsible for a department of, of work or, you know, something like that, that's important. Obviously, like leases, if you're trying to rent an apartment somewhere, like I've seen people decline. I've seen people that make seven figures and declined or had seven figures worth of like, you know, disposable income savings and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Your insurance. Mm -hmm. And then obviously purchases like a vehicle could and a home could cost you significantly more. And making a lot of money is not a given that you have good credit. You could have just not taken care of it. And it could cost you literally thousands of dollars more monthly and certainly over thousands of dollars annually by just paying a little bit different in an in interest rate. And it can be with your cell phones. Same thing. I've seen cell people, phones. Yes, sir. That's a job I did in college was I sold mobile phones. And you'd see people that had money, drove BMW, Mercedes, yet couldn't get approved for two cell phones because mm -hmm. they didn't manage their money properly or whatnot. So those are a couple of things that come to my mind. We found something else in common, Jay. We, you sold phones too, man? I used to sell phones. I, sl I slang cell phones. Slang them phones, the boy. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Jay Dragon? I know he spoke on a lot of great things. He said leasing, being able to live here, live there is what I was referencing to. Your phone, like what kind of phone service are you going to get? Can you hear me now? That could be a major issue for communication. We spoke about a number of other things, but T, what have you heard? So I can speak from experience that, um, you know, when I first came to the U.S., it was hard for me to get a place. And uh, I had to move. I had to find a roommate that had a good credit score and a place to live. So when I moved Vegas, obviously, I didn't know what to expect and applied for a couple places. And I remember there's a this applicant who had applied before me and the person that called me said, listen, this applicant, they're ahead of you. They applied early. We're going to go with them. You know, a few hours later, she called back. Um, sorry, they have bad credit score. So you're next boom, in boom, line. Boom, 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 boom. I was like, wow. Yeah. I didn't take the place, but yeah. I, it just gave me all the places I applied for because of my credit score was good. And I had built that credit score since I moved here. I got all the places that I wanted and it was up to me to make the selection. So it, it just goes through what Jay was saying and your point, Dreams, that it just makes you a more empowered person in your decision and your buying process as well too. Man, I'm going to give you all this example of when I first really dove into my credit score. You guys are going to be like, what? <laughs> so, you know, I'm the money man. I'm the money man because I'm actually in finance. So as Jay was saying, you have to get your credit checked to be in a financial industry most times. God, I hope that every industry would do that if you're giving people financial advice. But this is young, young dreams, little dreams, getting started in his financial career and also getting started with his new relationship with his now wife eight years ago, right? So not a long lifetime ago, I got a late start learning about credit. And then because of that, I got so motivated to educate others on credit because of my late introduction to financial education and how it affected my life. And I'm like, man, if I would have knew this even five years before, how much more could I have accomplished during that time? And then how much more can I accomplish now based on giving this information to others? How can I empower others to learn? So my journey started with me and my wife. We're dating. And one of the questions she asked just randomly one day, hey, what's your credit score? Yeah, my wife asked me, what's my credit score as a girlfriend? Just kind of gave me an idea of who this person was and <laughs> expectation. Not a normal question for any relationship. So I, I broke it down. I was like, I'm in the financial industry. I'm killing it. Got my credit card, no debt. You know what I mean? I, I'm going to check this out. So I go on uh, Credit Karma, no plug. I go on creditkarma.com, look at my credit score. Boom, 525. What the what? <laughs> I'm like, how do I have a 525? I'm me. So I check this out. I'm breaking it down. I'm looking at all these things that are affecting my credit history. And then I found out that there's two things that I still owe money for. 
there's this little cut. You can't even see it on my finger. Can y'all see that? You can't even see it. I got stitches in college. Yeah. The stitches were $500 procedure. It was still on my credit score from like seven years ago. And I never knew about it because I didn't know that back then my insurance didn't cover it. So we spoke about two things right there. One, my insurance, because I didn't have it approved for. And then I had a derogatory note on my credit that I didn't know about that was still in my history from seven years ago. So even though I was doing all these things right, paying my credit cards, not having a lot of debt, getting my car note paid on time, my credit score was suffering, just being suffocated, all these efforts for not, because I never really dove deep and actually opened up my credit score to take a look at it to see what was affecting it and how I truly was doing. Ignorance. Ignorance is bliss until it affects you. <laughs> Shoot, I can relate. I had something similar like that. So, yeah? No, I feel you. Go. Yep. It was a medical thing like that, the same type of thing. I had like a little surgery to have this ingrown hair thing removed. And I didn't know that all that stuff gets reported and I had to get some help. But that's why it's another reason I'm sure you're going to talk about it, is just the awareness factor is so mm. big is, is staying on top of the game and, you know, looking at everything and going over that report. Yeah. So we talked about some things that your credit could affect your leasing, your car note, your rate, things like that, where you can live, what type of things you can afford to do comfortably, even insurance. Like what we just stated, insurance. If I would have knew about insurance and had my insurance around that time, my credit score wouldn't have even been affected. So what affects your credit score? We talked about what does your credit score affect, but now what affects your credit score? We're breaking down into five key pieces. So this is also on the workbook. If you check it out, first thing, payment history. As I told you, they kept that history for up to seven years. Your payment history is one thing. It's based on the percentage. What percentage of payments are you making on time? Something you need to know is that different types of loans have different type of payment situations. So your car note or mortgage typically gives you about 10 or 15 days to pay that payment on time. But it's not reported late if you miss that payment until another month or statement cycle goes by. That is then when you have missed a payment and that goes on your payment history. So it's not... With your credit card, you're late on your credit card that day. You miss the payment. You pay it the next day. Okay, you owe, you're owe. you going to owe a fee for paying that credit card late. But that's not going to be reported on your payment history unless you negligently don't pay that credit card that month and basically the month after. Then you'll have that ding on your credit report. Okay? So that's how that works. And then it also says... How much time have you paid late? Like, have you paid 30 days late? Have you paid 60 days late? Have you paid 90 days late? Because those affect your payment history in different ways. And of course, has a more higher impact the later you are. The next thing is inquiries. So number two, inquiries. How often are you applying for credit? How many times are you inquiring to get credit? In my experience, when I was young, I would go to the store and they would say, hey, would you like to sign up for a rewards program? And I was like, oh, bet. Yeah, let me get those rewards. All day, baby. Let's do that. What do you need? It's like, oh, it just needs your social security number. I was like, okay, cool. Ignorant, ignorant dreams. Not knowing better. You should have known better. So when I checked that credit score, another thing that I noticed with that 525, I had multiple credit cards. The majority of them were being paid, but that rewards program, because I'm thinking that I'm making a payment to them. So part of my payment was going to that actual purchase I made that day at that particular store. I'm not going to put them on blast because of their workers, but it's a department store we all know about. It runs with souls. <laughs> but anyway, I had this rewards program. It was not being paid on. And it was causing me to have late payment history, for one. And then it caused an inquiry that I didn't know about because they stated it as a rewards program. What should have triggered that is the fact that I was using my social security number to apply for this rewards program. Since then, I've created a default email address that I can just spam it out and get any rewards program that requires an email. So long as they're not asking for your social security number, then it may be indeed just a rewards program. So my backup, just a little something not related to this credit piece, but 
create a little spam email. That way it doesn't get in the middle of your business. So you can put that spam email up for any rewards program you want 10% off, boom, boom. And I think the lesson also is not to give your social security for those rewards. Do not programs. do that. Do not do that. That is a sacred number for sure. Um, Next piece, account history. And this just goes into like, what is your account history made of? How many accounts do you have? You know, what type of accounts do you have? And how far back does that go? For example, you have loans. Do you have a mix of loans and credit cards? Do you have a mix of secured loans and personal loans? What types of engagements do you have? Even insurance may come up and affect that credit history. Not all the time, but it can affect it as an inquiry. So your credit history can also be affected in this way. One thing that I found out is that if you have a credit card for 10 years, then say you get another credit card that you've had for two years, your credit history actually will be the average of that amount. So it won't be your 10-year or 12-year credit history anymore. You'll actually have an average of six years of credit history. And that was a big piece that I had to learn to where if you're applying for something new, say like a major purchase, like a loan, hold off on getting these small credit cards for now because that's going to affect the length of time that you've had that credit history because they're going to take an average. And that's when you're dealing with credit bureaus. I'll break that down more. But hopefully that was a nice little nugget that you learned there. Credit utilization. This is the next piece. So this is number four. We got payment history, number one. Two, inquiries. Three, account history. And four, credit utilization. So this is regards to lines of credit. So if you have lines of credit, you have credit cards, these are all revolving debt because you could pay it, use it, pay it, use it, pay it, use it. And the cycle goes on and on. You'll never probably ever pay things completely off. That's the kind of the thought of it. And I'll go into that later on. But if you keep less than 30% usage on your credit card, say from month to month, because your credit report, your credit is reported every 30 days. So if you keep less than 30%, your credit score will actually increase. I noticed one time when me and my wife were going on a trip and we purchased a car, we planned it out. And what we did, we took advantage of a credit card program. So we didn't have the full $1,000 right then. We figured we could save the $1,000 over three months, pay it down. So we saved it. We purchased our plane tickets, purchased a trip, made it all one piece. We saved $200 on the overall trip. And then we purchased it so early that we saved money by not purchasing it in August, where the flights were more expensive. So it was a good deal, right? That's really leveraging credit in an intelligent way. But what I noticed during this time is that when my credit score, when that credit card was almost used to about 50, 55%, because it wasn't a high limit for that card, our credit scores dropped significantly, almost by 30 points on the next two cycles. On the third month when we paid that card off, even our first couple of payments down to about 20% of that, our credit scores jumped about 40 points. So credit utilization has a huge impact on your credit score. So if you're ever wondering, like, I'm doing everything right, I'm paying on time, but why isn't my credit score moving? Well, how much credit are you leveraging on your credit cards? What percentage of that limit are you using? Two things you can do about that is one, call the company that has that card to increase your limit, which Certain companies do all the time. They'll just, some some companies do it automatically. And there's a strategy I learned with a particular company that when you actually use your credit for something significant, say a computer, but you've saved your money for it and you're paying this down very fast over the next two months, they'll automatically increase your credit line. Other companies, you actually have to call back and say, hey, I want you to increase my credit line because I just need a little bit more wiggle room. This is too tight. I got a $500 credit limit. I spent $250 and it's affecting my credit score. And many of us probably have been in that situation starting off with credit. So this is something that has a heavy impact on your credit score. Probably if derogatories, which is the next thing, has the biggest impact, credit utilization has the next highest impact on your credit score. And I want to add to that in Credit Karma, what I do see is they also have a warning if you go above 10%. So sometimes I go above 10%, they say it will start affecting your credit score. But I think what your point is, over 30, it will definitely hit your credit score hard. So it's somewhere between the 
10% and 30% is where it starts really changing your numbers. So I think from what Credit Karma rep- uh, stated is like, just be under 10% to keep safe. And it goes back to the point you're making, increase your credit utilization. But I think also we shouldn't forget the old original thing was debit cards. Mm. You know, just buy stuff on debit if you don't have enough credit. True. So True indeed. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'll add to that. Also, let's clarify like what that means by utilization. Like when we're talking about ten or thirty percent, that's what your balance is at the end of the month. And you know, same thing. You might have a hundred thousand dollars in your checking account and savings account, but if you have that balance, that's where it's hitting you. So, for instance, I've always used reward cards. It happened when I used to fly Southwest, and I'd get free flights from putting everything on that, and that was a lesson I learned. And now my Amex gives me up to 4% back on Mm. gas and different things. My Costco cards gives me rewards. So I do use that, but it's, it requires that type of discipline that I didn't have initially, but now I will book all my flights and I'll get miles. And like I, without a doubt, I mean, legitimately get thousands of dollars back from that reward money with my credit from using that and still keeping my balance paid off or under 10%. That's a way. And it's down the road. We'll maybe get there to that of, how you can use credit. And that's one way of leveraging it is if I can pay for a large purchase on credit, mm-hmm. I like that because I can categorize where all my payments are, like in food and entertainment and travel and all that. But you know, you can put it in your favor and get a return back on your money that way. And it can be good on big purchases too. Very, very large. good tips. Yes, sir. Very, very good tips. Um, I like to add to what you just spoke to, uh, Jay. So when traveling, credit cards are not evil. Credit cards can be very much a lifesaver when especially traveling. I give you a prime example. I took a trip back home to Virginia and I use a credit card there for the trip. Just how Jay said, I get rewards on my credit card. So another piece of my credit card, and I I want you also kind of also break this down. This is not on the worksheet, but I want you to also look at the features that your credit card offers. And then you can kind of categorize the way you leverage credit. Use one card for this, use one card for this. I have one credit card that we use for groceries. And we have one credit card that we use for traveling. So when we're looking at our budget sheet, it's easy to know, okay, this money over here is on this card. We're going to pay that off. This money over here is for the trip coming up. We're going to put that in savings as we prepare to make that big purchase. That way, when we use our credit card to get these rewards points and also a protection piece. When I took this trip, just to jump back into it before I lose you, I took this trip and our flight got canceled. So we're like, well, how do we get back? We got to get back into the workflow. You know, I told my job I'll be back this date. What do we do? So there was a a caveat or a piece to my credit card that said, hey, our flights are covered. If we get lost luggage, it's covered. Like we had insurance through that card just because of the particular card we use to make that payment. So calling them and saying, hey, well, we're just going to do it through the card because the airport, they weren't honoring the flight change. So we simply just went with another carrier. For example, instead of Southwest, we went with uh, America Airlines because Southwest, not saying Southwest, but I'm just giving an example, but they weren't honoring the cancellation and giving our refund immediately. So we went through the credit card. It was very easy to do. Purchased our flight with American Airlines. The flight was insured for cancellation. Got that money back to where if we particularly used a debit card in that situation, that is our actual cash, and that would have hurt us a lot more, especially if you're saying, hey, it's getting close to the end of the month. This is when we start paying our bills, right? So you don't want to be out of that cash flow. So credit cards really do help and have a purpose depending on what you're doing and how you leverage them. And it's not just the fact that you can pay money later, but there's certain perks to having particular credit cards. And I want you guys to really look at the credit cards you have and say, are they serving purpose for me? Or is this just kind of taking up space? I usually get credit cards for the things that I actually purchase the most. If it's technology, I have a card that I'm using for my business and I just purchase technology and business items and business purposes for that card. If it's for groceries and gas, I have a card that I leverage for that. So different cards have different purposes. So I want you guys to kind of consolidate your wallet because men, we're known for having these thick wallets, which is full of cards that we got over time. So look at maybe not your longest credit card that you've had. Keep that card because remember we said account history is important. But maybe some of these newer cards you just got in the last two years, you're like, this is not serving purpose anymore. Let it go. 
it's actually not helping you. It may actually be doing less for you than the benefits that you're receiving from another card that you're using, okay? Hey, listeners, this is Big Dreams. And I just wanted to take a moment to thank you all for listening to today's episode of The Manhood Experiment. Please follow us on TikTok and Instagram at Manhood Experiment. There, you'll find the latest giveaways and some very funny behind-the-scenes moments. Now, back to the show. So let's go on. Derogatories. As I told you, (sighs) insurance, they can report derogatory. Even industries that you didn't know were connected to your credit. Um, Another reason that 529 came on my personal credit report is because I had this ticket from when I was in college, a parking ticket. It was being reported on my credit history. It was $60 when I got it. I didn't know. The guy didn't put the ticket actually on my window. We found out that he did the ticket in his system, but never put the ticket on my window. Maybe out of spite. I don't know. I was different in college. (laughs) But some jerk did that. And years later, it affected my life. If you're listening to this, touche, sir. Touche. But I got it right. Called them. I went through Credit Karma and disputed it. I let them know, hey, you know, I didn't know about this ticket and I wasn't trying to run away from the ticket. And they're like, I moved. And that was actually a reason, a legitimate reason for them to say, hey, okay, well, we'll remove this from your credit report. That $60 grew to be $130 or $140. Back then, I was like, I don't want to pay $140 for a $60 ticket I got seven years ago. And they actually removed it from my credit history. So things that you didn't know you can do, you can actually dispute particular transactions and things that are on your account and your profile with the different bureaus. But first, let's go into this. What does that 529 mean? Like, what's a good credit score? What is a credit score range? So break it down real quick. A Porsche credit score is anything from 300 to 650. The complete credit score range is from 300 to 850. That's said to be the highest. 300 said to be the lowest. 300 is like, you got to work for that. You got like, I'm not paying anybody. As bad of a situation I was in, my credit score was still just 525. So like, if you got a 300, you've earned that, sir. You've earned it. Good job. All right, so 300, 650, that's poor. Fair credit score, 650 to 699. A good credit score, 700 to 749. An excellent credit score, 750 and above. You can get everything that you want when you walk into that Mitsubishi. Nobody buys Mitsubishi anymore. That Ford dealership, (laughs) you know, get the Mustang, get the little bamboo plant on a guy's desk. You know, y'all seen the commercials. You you walk in there with confidence because you know you got that. You know what I mean? It comes down to your debt to income ratio later on. That's another topic we'll talk about when doing actual loan applications. But your credit score, at least that's on, that's tip top shape. So move with confidence, range 300, 850. You want to be 750 and up. It's achievable. You can do it. You got this. Break it down. How are you going to find out what your credit score is? So on the worksheet, next thing is, who gives a credit score? Answer is a credit bureau. There's three big credit bureaus right now. You have TransUnion, you have Equifax, and you have Experian. All these guys give you different scores based on the criteria that I gave you before. So they're grading you on your payment history. They're grading you on how many inquiries you're having per year. You want to actually have less than four inquiries per year, say one per season, right? They're grading on your uh, your account history, on your credit utilization, on derogatories and collections that you may have in the system that are still affecting your credit. And these biggest credit bureaus, like I said, TransUnion, Equifax, Experian, TransUnion's like the... Uh, He's like the Randy. He's not grading you too hard. He's not grading you too like. He's like, dog, uh, I like your credit history. I like your credit utilization. But uh, maybe you could work on those derogatories, you know, dog. And then you got your Pala Abdul, who's more like Experian. Experian is going to give you typically the highest credit score, if you've noticed that. If you go and compare between like Credit Karma, you'll see the differences because not everybody grades you the same. It's like watching Vince Carter dunk. Nah, you're going to get all 10s. That's a bad example. That's a bad example. That's Vince. (laughs) But maybe a new rookie basketball player dunk, and all these guys are grading them differently because they have different expectations of what they want, and they use different algorithms of how they grade. Somebody's grading for technicality. Somebody's grading for efficiency. Somebody's grading for passion. It's got a good effort. And they're based on these 
five criteria that I told you about. So hopefully that's a good idea of who the credit bureaus are and how they grade. Uh, so hopefully you learned some new things about that. One thing I tell you as well, there's a new way of grading the system. It's called your FICO score. I know you guys heard about that. I'm going to break that down because you're like, well, what's the difference between a credit score and a FICO score? So back in the day, people can actually judge you on your credit score, but still deny you. And banks were doing it. Different companies were doing it because nobody had a universal criteria for regulating somebody's credit worthiness, which is a big, big deal. You can break things down and go political down to like redlining and other things like that. But it was a real thing to where you can be credit worthy and do all these things right, A plus on everything. And the bank's like, mm, you don't fit our ideal customer or candidate base. So I'm sorry, we're going to have to deny you. And people were getting pissed off. They're like, this is not right. We got to do something about this. And the FICO score was created. What FICO is, is the Fair Isaac Corporation. It's this company that was created to make credit or score universal. And now a lot of banks, you can actually see your FICO score within your app. So if you have a big bank, if you have one of the major banks, or if your bank offers online banking, you can actually, most banks, you'll be able to check your FICO score. And the difference with your FICO score and, say, your credit score sometimes can be 20 points or 50 points. Why is that? I know people run and tell like, yo, I'm looking at this situation. Even some of my clients, look, I'm looking at this situation. I want to purchase this, but it's like, which score do I use? Do I use my FICO? Do I use my credit? And the truth is, it's not up to you. Certain banks, just like certain friends, we only use certain friends' references, the people that we trust. Certain banks only go through certain credit bureaus. It's a fact. Certain banks only use certain credit bureaus. 790. Hey, that boy flying. That boy flying. That's the FICO. I was checking to see if that was FICO. It is. It's yeah. FICO score. Yes, sir. So sometimes yeah. your FICO score is higher than your actual credit score. So if you go on things like uh, Credit Karma, you'll see TransUnion and I believe uh, Equifax. And they'll give you two scores up there, which may be different than, say, the FICO score that you just saw, Jay. So that is something that you'll notice. Because your FICO score is based on more of a percentage base of these same algorithms, but it's based on the impact. Say something has 30%. Another thing weighs 35%. Your credit history may weigh 35% of your score. And they judge it with a different impact. And it's created to make a more universal system. So hopefully you've enjoyed this podcast. You learned some things that can help you really educate yourself and understand the differences thus far. I'm going to break some things down as well. I have a couple of other pieces to this that I want to also give an example of. Continue with the FICO score. Fellas, y'all good thus far? Any questions? No, I think it's good. I, I think it's reiterating utilizing credit. It's not just about the absence of making mistakes, but you find people that might get into their late 20s, early 30s and had never really used or financed a whole lot. Mm. And they go in and that can affect them when it comes to a mortgage or comes to, you know, all those, you know, those different scenarios. So that's where building your credit is a factor. And I think that's why people should take interest in this, regardless of if you're someone who pays for everything with debit or cash or whatever. But that's something that I just wanted to put out there is like learning how to utilize it, you know, because your goal could be to purchase a home and then purchase a second home as a rental home and like your credit is going to be a major factor Huge. You know, in getting the best interest rate, you know, being able to be approved. And then obviously your debt to income is a big factor there that you're making enough money to be able to afford, you know, those payments as well. And I'm just going to jump in there because we spoke to it a couple of times. DTI, debt to income. What is that? It's not on a worksheet, guys, but I feel like you really need to know this because it's a part of the approval process when you're talking credit. Your debt to income is based off with most companies, your gross income, your monthly gross income. And the things that affect your monthly gross income would be your residence and how much you pay for that residence per month, whether it's leasing or you already have a mortgage. It's a part of your debt to income because you have to rely on a place to live, right? And people that are lending to you, they want to know that you have a stable foundation and a place to rest your head because you're not going anywhere if you do. It's a piece of uh, accountability. Another piece is if you have any loans. So loans can affect your debt to income ratio because they're there consistently. 
things like your utility bills, you won't see on your debt to income ratio. They won't affect your DTI. And what many banks look for, some banks actually grade your debt to income ratio based on exactly that. It's a ratio or a percentage if you flip it. If y'all know fractions, you flip a fraction, it becomes a percentage, right? So that's how that works. And this percentage can go up to 50% before they say, you know what, we won't approve anybody who has a debt to income ratio above 50%. That means you're using more than 50% of your gross income to pay other people already. So you're not in a financial place to take on more debt because they don't want to put you in a place to where you're going to be in financial hardship because you're trying to pay John, Joseph, Moses, and Judas at the same time, right? Don't do business with Judas. Just, <laughs> I was I was going. I had to finish it. But anyway, they want to check to make sure you can actually pay them too. So your debt to income ratio has a different criteria based on who you're working with and what company you're working with. Some companies you're like, hey, we phase out at uh, 34%. Anything above 34%, we can't do it. And that could be based on, say, a mortgage, your bigger purchases, where a car that you're going to purchase, that debt-to-income ratio may not have as high of an impact. They may judge you based more on your just credit score. So those are two pieces that you need to have in, in account. Yeah, and this is extremely relevant right now. If you were looking for a home last year, so a year ago, and you were shopping around for interest rates or whatever, the home that you could afford is over 100 in some cases, $200,000 difference based on where interest rates are. So that mm -hmm. is going to be the difference factor in what your payment was. So let's just say you were trying to buy a $500,000 home and the payment was going to be around $3,000. A year later today, that $500,000 home would have a payment of closer to $6,000 just based on where interest rates are. So that is why it is really relevant where your debt to income ratio is because then you really might not be able to afford on paper whatever you're doing. Even if you have savings, even if you you know are on top of your money game, but that's just something to think about how that's affecting people right now. Mm -hmm. So you're noticing the home market is inflation is starting to catch up with everyone. Correct. How that makes a big difference. At the time of this recording. At the time of this recording, that's correct. <laughs> it's true. And also at the time of this recording, um, you'll notice that we're talking about raising the interest rates. And that is the perfect segue to where we're going because your interest rate that you're given is based on, and I want to clarify this. When I say interest rate, I'm talking APR, annual percentage rate, which is the interest that you have to pay on top of the principal. The principal is like the meats and potatoes. The interest is why the bank is interested in doing business with you because they can make money on top of the actual loan. So you, you have this thing called truth in lending. When you look into this phrase, truth in lending, there's an amortization table that breaks down your payment every month over, say, this 36-year term that you're financing a vehicle. Stick with me. Stick with me. This is so, so, so important. So as you're looking over this amortization table, you'll notice that the payments you start with, most of your principal is not being paid at the early stages of your loan. When you look at the end of the amortization pay table, you notice that most of the principal or most of that payment that you're making is going towards the principal. So when you start the amortization table, most of the payment that you're making is going towards your interest. Towards the end of your payment, say year three, most of the payment that you're making is going towards the principal. Why? The banks want to make their money first. Simple as that. They trust you enough to do business, but they want to make sure they get paid. What if you refinance in two years? Or what if you pay the loan off early? They don't make the total amount that they thought they were going to make off that loan. There's a couple of different pieces to that. But the annual percentage rate greatly affects what that payment looks like month to month. And it's an overall annual payment that they've broken down over 12 months. That's why it's not the percentage that you're paying every month. It's the percentage that's broken down over the year. So hopefully that clears up what annual percentage rate is. Is why banks are interested in doing business with you, and it's the money they can make off of giving you that loan, okay? And what you'll see is that the annual percentage rate and your credit score have an indirect relationship. So as one goes up, the other goes down. So as your credit score goes up, your annual percentage rate goes down and is different for different products. For example, you have three different types of loans that I'm going to just go to. 
You have credit cards, which are revolving credit. You have personal loans, which are, hey, I'm going to hand you money here. This is cash, and I hope you pay me back, right? <laughs> and then you have secured debt, which is more like a mortgage or a car note. Because if you don't pay that debt back, they're going to take the car back, right? So there's a security for the bank that they can take back, which is why secured debt typically has the lowest annual percentage rate. The banks won't charge you as much for that because the risk factor is low. You defaulting on your home, it's a lower risk than you never paying off this credit card. So credit cards typically have the highest annual percentage rates. And you'll notice that. So it doesn't mean that's a bad thing. It just means that that's not a card you want to keep credit on or keep debt on for a long time. Two factors, because your credit utilization, we spoke about that. Another thing is because that interest rate is going to start to apply and it won't apply the first month. So let me explain credit cards. When you use your credit card, you make this purchase for this laptop, you pay $1,000 for it, right? So the first month, there's no interest accruing for that payment. Interest won't start accruing until the next month that the debt is still there. So if you paid $500 the first month, during the next cycle, you'll have $500 left. So that $500 that you have left will then start to accrue interest at the annual percentage rate given to you based on when you open that credit card. So that's a piece that I also wanted people to understand. How does the annual percentage rate work? With loans, the annual percentage rate is included within the first payment for the perpetuity of the loan until it's paid off completely. It doesn't change. It's a fixed rate to where credit cards are revolving debt. In revolving debt, basically the rate is going to change based on what's going on in the environment, such as inflation, the rate will increase, right? And then if there's uh, positive things going on or if there's something like a pandemic that happened, the rates will lower. So these rates will change. So my goodness, I can't think of this A word. <laughs> Help me out if it comes to mind, fellas. But alternating uh, rates, they they change. So you have fixed rates and then you have rates that actually change, such as with revolving debt. Got it? All right. So next piece of this conversation, it's going to come to me. It's going to come to me. I'm gonna be like, ah, that's what it is. But know that you have fixed rates and then with credit cards, you have rates that change over time or with lines of credit, you also have rates that change. And there's different types of revolving, such as credit cards and lines of credit. The difference between credit card is that you're supposed to use this credit card just with the card. If you use it to say, take cash out the ATM, it's called a cash event, and you're gonna immediately be paying the annual percentage rate that's typically higher than the actual annual percentage rate that was given when you opened that card. Sometimes 24%, and it's an immediate 24%. So it's not how the banks want you to use that credit card. With a line of credit, it's more of a cash device. You can move the cash from this line of credit to your debit card or to your deposit account and write a check with it, per se. Or you can use it as cash and pay it straight from your debit card and transfer the money right to your debit card. And it won't affect the annual percentage rate on that line of credit because that's how it's designed. So there are certain uses for certain types of loans that you want to make sure, am I using the right credit product for the right moment? I wouldn't think you would necessarily want to use a line of credit to move money over to your deposit account to then purchase a car. Not the best option, especially if the annual percentage rate for a personal loan or for a secured loan is much lower than it is for revolving debt. So this is giving you ideas of when to use what type of credit, and you can do more research as well to kind of uh, fact check me on that. But this is perfect experience I'm giving you. Yeah, T, I see you. And be sure to include the disclaimer here. Oh, yeah. This information is definitely just personal information that I've learned through my credit journey. It has nothing to do with the company or the financial institution that I work for or work with. This is all dreams, credit, education, okay? This is why I haven't referenced the company that I'm working with or anything like that, but I am in the industry. So I do have some know-how, and I hope that this is helping you as listeners with your own credit situations or what you're working on. Fellas, do y'all have any questions at this time, anything that I didn't touch on? Before you jump to the experiment for the week, I want to just highlight this point that you guys made earlier, that your discipline 
or a lack of discipline and ignorance years ago, it could be years ago, could affect your future. Mm. And your credit and your credit score is usually one of the tools that keeps you accountable of that. So you screw up in the past, it's going to affect your future. And when people really get that, they realize how important credit scores. I mean, it sucks, but it's just, it's a nature mm-hmm. of the game. And I like the other point that you made. I mean, it's all dark and stuff like that with how, how it could affect you. But the plus side is once you understand how to use credit cards, man, you get 2%, 3% cash back. I get checks in the mail all the time or deposits straight to my account. I spend money on ads, just like get nice check in the mail. Because what I've done is I've utilized the 2%, 3% cash back and I make sure and pay it off. You know, every month you pay it off. And it helps build discipline when you have credit cards and you're using your or loans. It just keeps you accountable on a good thing. So I just want to. And that's yeah. across the board because what I noticed is that when I started, we talked about budgeting in our last conversation, right? So when I noticed as I started to budget more and be more accountable of my finances, it made me a more accountable person, a more accountable human being, a more accountable man, because I was managing my finances in an intentional way. It allowed me to say, uh, no, I can't make this birthday this time. I would love to, but I honestly, I can't do it based on if it's going to cost money that I didn't plan for. So I'm, I'm going to have to say no. You could still love me after, but I'm going to have to say no. Or just time. It helped me manage my time even more. Like, no, I can't do this because I'm still actually planning to work on this. So budgeting and planning my time, they go hand in hand with your finances and the accountability. So a lot of times your credit score can be a reflection of who you are as a person. And if you want to really connect those dots, look at that credit score and say, well, what are my habits? Like Jay's always saying, Jay Dragon's always like, check your inventory. So the manhood experiment this week, I want you to, if you have not, go to two sources, find your FICO score. Secondly, find your credit score or your credit report. There's those three big bureaus we talked about. You have TransUnion, Equifax, Experian. Check them out. Find out what's affecting your credit score and find out if you are really in the best place to leverage your credit. And what's your next opportunity? How will you use the fact that you are in a good place? How are you planning? Use that in conjunction with the budget and not just let these episodes be separate, but use them as a holistic tool to empower you to get the things that you want out of life. If you want that mortgage, plan for it, go for it. Talk to the lenders. If you want this new place that you've been looking to lease, you know, get your credit right. So that way when you pay that deposit, they're not taking $600 out your cash, out your pocket, because they may not trust that you're going to upkeep the place. That $600 could be going to furniture or something else that you need. So I want you to actually really take inventory, as Jay always says, look at your credit score, find out what's affecting it, get on the phone. If there's some things you don't recognize, get it taken off. Be free. Be accountable. Don't live in this ignorant space anymore. And I'm preaching that from my own personal experience. This is Big Dreams. We have J-Dragon, T-Rex. Thank y'all for listening to The Manhood Experiment. We out. All right, guys. Peace. Hey, what's up? This is Big Dreams. Thank you for checking out today's episode of The Manhood Experiment. If you like today's episode, please subscribe and give us five stars. Not only does your feedback matter, but it helps us to connect with others just like you that find value in our weekly episodes. So subscribe, share, and speak with your friends and family about today's episode. And most importantly, take care of yourself, keep growing, and join us again on the next episode of The Manhood Experiment.